Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. If you're thankful that you're at church this morning, can you give God a big hand clap? Anybody thankful to be here? <clears throat> I like church. Anybody else like church? Anybody else glad, like, like you're just, you're thankful for church? Because you get all messed up during the week, but you, get, you start going in the right direction when you come to church, right? Um, today's going to be a, a really, really special day. We have a, a guest speaker with us. He is, he comes all the way from Australia. Come on. So like, here's the thing. I've, I've always believed this. There's a greater anointing on people who have an accent. It just, it just is, it just is what it is. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. It just is what it is, right? Um, we have Shane Mandel with us today. He is from Bethel Church. And um, he, just kind of a little bit of his background, he has, he's kind of done everything you can do in ministry. He's pastored um, kind of in many, many places in the world. Uh, currently, he oversees all of the BSSM alumni. So many of you are familiar with, yeah, I got some of them in here too. Uh, many of you are familiar with uh, Bethel and their, their School of Supernatural Ministry. And uh, they, they have a, a three-year program up in Reading where students come from all over the world to, uh, to just get trained in ministry and experience the things of God and uh, to take revival where, wherever, they, wherever they end up afterwards. And so uh, Shane uh, kind of oversees those thousands and thousands of, of, uh, of students. I was going to say kids, but they're, they're from, they, they go from like 18 to 80. So what, in fact, what was the oldest? Do you remember the 83 was the oldest that, uh, that has graduated from BSSM, so just an amazing school. Um, this is an amazing man, a friend of mine, so without further ado, can you just give it up for Mr. Shane Mandel? Overseeing a bunch of alumni is, uh, is different. Because it's not like, it's, it's, there's not a lot of management. There's a lot of really healthy, great, strong people who are out in the world and my managing them, so to speak, is, uh, is really a privilege. I get to hear stories of what God's doing around the world. Uh, I get to hear stories of the, the conquests. I also get to hear stories where they go, oh man, this one didn't quite work the way I wanted. Uh, and we get to say, hey, what's the, what is the process at this point forward? And it, it's really simple. It's get up, put one foot in front of the other. Let's go again. Let's go again. Let's go again. The message doesn't change. We don't, we don't go, hey, let's, let's not go against that thing. We go, let's just get up. Let's go again. Uh, how many of you are grateful for a second chance? Third chance, <clears throat> I'm not gonna look over here. Fourth chance, fifth chance, uh-huh. I'm so grateful for the chances. I, uh, I don't know why, but during worship, there were a couple of times where I was having recollections of uh, opportunities that I have had around the world over the years. Uh, I've been uh, in, in a vocational ministry since 1997. Some of you are like, what? Yes, since 1997, uh, and I was, I was actually just thinking about a young man named Mikey, sweet young kid, and he was 13 years of age. And this young kid had the audacity, let me say it that way for back then, and now I would say the courage to stand in front of me and go, hey Shane, 
whenever you say sorry, there's always a but attached to it. And he's like, it never feels real. I was like, oh. Get corrected by one of the youngest kids in your youth ministry. And he was right. I was like, I'm sorry. I'll do my best. I'll be aware of that. That young man, he has no idea how much he's shaped me. Uh, my wife and I left that church a, a short time later uh, to, to go to another church. It was a phenomenal, we, the church we left was phenomenal. The church we went to was phenomenal. He has no idea the impact. Uh, but the, the people I get to minister to now, uh, my wife and my kids in particular, man, they get a different experience because a 13-year-old kid stood up in front of me and said, hey, when you say sorry, you always say but. dang, that's not my message. It was just something I remembered during worship and I was like, hey, that's free, you're welcome. (laughs) I wanted to to spend some time talking a little bit this morning about uh, the renewing of our mind and the way that we, uh, if we're not aware of our thought patterns, the way that we actually limit and constrict God. I love intelligence. I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm not a big fan of people... Uh, saying things without doing any research. I'm not a big fan of social media. This is just what I want to say. I've got it off my chest and now you can't touch me. Uh, I'm a big fan of intelligence. I'm a big fan of people thinking. And it dawned on me uh, that if we're not aware of what we're thinking and where it's coming from, then we're, in a sense, we're a slave to it. And I was earlier this week, I was spending some time with the Lord. And as I was spending some, which is a good thing, right? You're like, phew, the person up the front with the microphone is actually spending some time with the Lord. I was spending some time with the Lord and he, he started talking to me about what I believe in particular in regards to one Philippi, uh, Philippians 1 verse 6. Any of you know that scripture? Oh, you do, you do. You're just, you're just like, oh, on the spot. This is one of those moments. Being confident of this, that he who started a good work in me will finish it, will bring it to completion. Oh man, I love that Scripture. I have, ah, that Scripture has meant the world to me for so long. But you know why it's meant something to me? Because, oh, one day he's gonna take me to completion. One day he's going to take me over there. What does that convey? I'm not enough. I'm not there yet. At least in Western thinking, because we think from point A to point B. And God, God, He wants me completed. When I'm completed, then He's going to love me, right? When I'm completed, then He's going to be like, yes, I'm pleased with you. That's the way our head sometimes reads this Scripture. That's, I, I confess, that's the way I have read this Scripture historically. That He who began a good work in me is going to bring it to completion, but it's often based or solicits this idea of lack. You're not enough. You're not there yet. If only you could step into this, then I'd be able to heal through you. 
If only you could, do you know what I mean? Like you hear all these thoughts, yeah? You guys don't. Okay. In my life, I sometimes hear these kinds of things and I go, all right, well, what am I going to do about it? So just enjoy the story as I share my life and the struggles of, of talking to God and His, uh, I'm going to say brutal honesty because that's the way that Him and I interact, but there's nothing brutal about it. It's actually incredibly loving and kind. It's just, that's the way Him and I talk and dialogue. It feels really special to me. And His, his honesty is confronting but he's not confronting me because he's trying to rebuke me. He's confronting me because he's saying, hey, there's something else. Confident that he who began a good work. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you are aware of the tense and the language. This is a present imperative. He who began, it has started and it will continue. I mean, it makes sense anyway. He who began will bring to completion. But it's this idea of process. And, and if we're not careful, because of our Western thinking of, of begin and arrive, we can bag ourselves out, we can beat ourselves up, and we can actually take on the work of the enemy. Don't ever take on the work of the enemy. He came to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. And John 10.10 says, I came, why? That you might have life, life to the full. So as I was talking to God earlier in the week, he turned around and he said, why do I want to take you into completion? So I'm perfected. That's the goal, right? So I'm perfected, so I'm perfect, so I'm awesome. Why do I want you to step into completion? Why does he want you to step into completion? Um, just think about that for a moment. Why does he want you to step into completion? He doesn't have a clipboard with a grade. So why does he want you to step into completion? It's never about an A, a B, a C, a D, heaven forbid, an F. It's never been about that. So why? Why does he care about purity? Let me just pick that one. It's an easy one. Why does he care about it? Because he thinks you'll love it. He cares about purity, not because it's some law. He cares about purity because he thinks you will love it. He cares about purity because he thinks that it will be incredible for your relationships. He cares about purity because he thinks you'll look in the mirror and go, I like that person. Why does he care about freedom? I mean, I'm on my way to completion here. Why does he care about freedom? Because he thinks you're gonna love it. Hurry up and get free. 
it doesn't sound very free, does it? I don't know. I just find that kind of funny. I, I died that you might have free. Or I came that you might have freedom, life and life to the full. It's for freedom's sake that Christ has set you free. Why? Because he thinks you're going to enjoy it. He thinks when you no longer have the, I have to, I should, I must, this is what good Christian living looks like. He thinks when you get rid of those things, you're going to go, I want to. I like this. I get to do this without obligation. I get to do this without guilt. I get to do this without shame. I get to do this. I don't put money in an offering because I have to. I want to. I don't have to go and share the gospel with that person. I want to. I don't have, ooh, careful. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to. Well, you're not a good Christian. And if you tell me you only read it for five minutes a day, I read it for 15. <clears throat> How long is your quiet time? <clears throat> I don't have to read the Bible, but His words are life. I want to. I'm not just playing with semantics. This makes a difference to how we live life. Why does he want freedom? He doesn't want religion for you. We had a good religion going. I mean, it involved lots of blood and lots of burnt things. But he had a good religion going. He was like, actually, this isn't achieving the very thing I want. The very thing I want is relationship. And we look at the greats. We look at Abraham. We look at Moses. We look at these great leaders and we go, what is it about them? Well, firstly, they were all flawed and they all knew it. They didn't put on a mask. They didn't put on the, the cloak. They were real. And they stood before him and they said, I'm gonna dare to believe. I'm gonna dare to believe that you're better than I could ask or imagine. What, you're gonna slay your people? Uh-uh, don't slay your people. I mean, sorry, you're talking to God who has just announced that He's gonna slay His people and you're, that's audacious. God says, hey, I'm gonna start to execute my judgment. People are gonna die and you have the courage to walk in, in the sense, to walk right into that room and go, I don't think this is a good plan. It won't look good to the nations around. You guys ever thought about that? That's God. That's what He's inviting us into. He's inviting you into the room. He's inviting you into real conversation. He's inviting you into a place where it's, this is what I think. This is, this is even how I would go about it. And then 
but not my will, yours. And God has asked me to do some things that I go, I, I don't know about that, God. And I am straight up honest with Him. God, I don't like this. I don't, I don't wanna do this, but not my will, yours. And there have been times where I'm like, God, I really don't want to. Can you give me another sign? God, okay, I've got the two signs. I really don't want to. Can you give me another sign? I, please don't get me wrong. I'm not promoting that. In hindsight, I wish that I had straight away gone, uh, all right. My point is, he didn't go, ah, you're done. My point is, he said, oh, all right, I'll give you another sign. To the point where my wife and I looked at each other and went, on one occasion, at the very least, we went, if we don't do this, it's straight up disobedience now. There is no more question of, is this the heart of God? It is absolutely clear, this is the heart of God. We need to move. We really don't wanna move to that location, God. Mm, Dang. Okay, we're moving. I would rather be in obedience and have his blessing, even if I think it's gonna be abhorrent to my taste buds, then be in comfort and disobedience and the whole time know what I had done. I know, I'm like, no, I'll take this one. Does it feel like I'm sucking a lemon, so to speak? Yep. And let me, and, and let me just speak into that particular move. That was the best thing for our hearts ever. Well, at that time, ever. We got connected relationally in ways that we never thought possible. We moved to this location going, no. And when God said our time had come to an end, we said, no. No. Actually, we really love this place. It's interesting how sometimes we can perceive something one way and he says, actually, just trust me. I came to give you life and life to the full. I didn't come that you would suck a lemon all your days. Uh, if, I apologise. If my language is disrespectful, I, I mean not to be. It's very colloquial. Australianisms kind of, ah, there we go. God wants to bring to completion the good work that he has started in you and I. It's not a statement of lack. It's not a statement of dissatisfaction. It's not a statement of frustration on his part. Uh, A young lady who was a great friend of mine going through high school, uh, she was a a star athlete. She was a, a star academic as well, actually, but she uh, would go home after a track and field meeting or whatever else and her dad always asked, what did you win? And she would always be devastated. She'd win stuff, but she cared about the second place ribbons, the third place ribbons. But his question 
pushed those off to the side and only focused on the blue ones. In Australia, the winning one is blue. I don't know if that's true here, but the winning ribbon is blue in Australia and he only cared about the blue ones. She had to unwork the lessons learnt by her father, her natural father, because she was applying them then to God. My grandfather was a survivor of the Holocaust, uh, survived literally by moments because an American plane flew over. His, his ability to connect emotionally with my father was pretty limited. So my father grew up with some baggage. You know what dads who have some baggage do inadvertently? Pass on baggage. I think I'm a really good dad. I have an eight, my eldest is eight years old. Do you know what I noticed already? I've passed on baggage. Though I try my best, though I, I ask God to renew and transform, I pass things on. The greatest thing my dad's done is model to me ongoing transformation ongoing renewing, ongoing growth, ongoing development. It's the greatest thing he's modeled to me. So there are times that I stand in front of my eight-year-old. In fact, there are times I stand in front of my eight, my five, my three-year-old, and I straight up get to apologize. Yep, you were totally doing the wrong thing. That does not justify me speaking the way I did. Dang it. I am tired, I am hot, and I am hungry. And they are my three triggers. If I am hot, tired, and hungry, bless you, because you're not going to get the best interaction. That doesn't justify, that doesn't excuse. Thankfully, he's bringing to completion the good work that he has started. Thankfully, he's taking us on a pathway because he loves us. Because he thinks it looks good on us. Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Why is he taking us to completion? Because he loves us. Why does he care about you and patience? because he thinks you'll enjoy it and your kids and your spouse and your workmates? Why does he care about you and freedom? Because he thinks it's gonna look great on you. We have to get a right image of the Father. He's not saying, He's not saying, I need you to hurry up and get complete. He's saying, I love you. And I want the best for you. He's saying, I want freedom for you. It's going to look good on you. And you have felt the weight and the pressure and the burden for too long. I want the freedom for you. 
guilt, that's not me. The shame, it's not me. I'm the one showing you life, life, life. He's not using the negative motivations. It is not, it will not, it cannot be him. It's incongruent with who he is. When Keith was rattling off the list earlier, I'm like, come on, baby. If I, the moment I have a sense of guilt, fear, shame, condemnation, accusation, the moment I get a sniff, I pull the trigger on that. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, nope. I line that thought up, I line that thing, and I just... You're not getting to speak to me. Holy Spirit, what would you say about this? Holy Spirit, what would you say about that? As Ray was up here and sharing the testimonies of, hey, I, I wanted to see it for myself. Oh man, that was me. I think that's how, I think that's how God took us to Bethel. 2009, pastoring in a Baptist church in Australia, things were going really well. And he says, you've come to an end of a season. What? Oh, no, this has been really good. You've come to an end of a season. Long five months, long five months of searching it out. And one day I was having something of a tantrum. You guys don't do this, but I'm being honest, I do, or I did. And, and I'm like, God, I've had enough of this. This has been five months of trying to work out your will. Five months ago, you said, I've come to an end of a season. It's not fair. It's not fair for the congregation. It's not fair for us. Like what? Where do you want us to go? We'll go. And he turned around and he said one of the most beautiful and frustrating things ever. Funny how he can do that, right? He turned around and he said, Shane, you can go anywhere and I'll be with you. You can do anything and there'll be fruit in your ministry. Oh yeah, you guys are all like, that's awesome. I was like, dang it, that's not the answer that I was looking for. I'm like, come on, I've been asking for five months. And he's like, yeah. And I haven't given you the answer yet. And suddenly this thought goes through my mind, maybe you're asking the wrong questions. And, and honestly, the next question that comes to my mind and out of my mouth, I have verbal conversations with God. I definitely look like that weird guy. And, and I, I'm, I'm uh, closing the trunk of my car and, uh, and I'm like, fine, what's gonna be best for my relationship with you? I'm like, that question's genius. <laughs> I wasn't saying it with the best attitude, but I'm like, that question, what's gonna be best for my relationship with you? Go to Bethel. Whoa. Say what? It had kind of been this lofty idea It'd be great to see these testimonies. It'd be great to taste them. There's kind of a difference between a Baptist seminary and... Hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, theologically, there's been this significant shift and, and at the same time, I've got no grid. Prophesy, what do you mean prophesy? Healing, like, how does that happen? Do we bargain? Do we barter? Honestly, this is the kind of, I'm not trying to be stupid. This was the kind of stuff that I was honestly having to grapple with. I had experienced one healing. I personally was injured at a youth camp. I was laid up on my bed and 
we had played some game, it was one of those silly games, uh, and in order to pry the guys apart, um, some young ladies decided to climb up on a chair and jump repeatedly on my ankle. And I'm somewhat strong-willed and decided that I didn't care how many times they jumped, I wasn't letting go. And so my, my ankle was significantly swollen. Some guys carried me, put me on my bed, and I'm like, that was dumb. I know, I know, I'm, I was quick on the uptake. That was really dumb and I, and I laid there, I'm like, God, in your word, people get healed. I'm like, if you, if you heal me, I'm forever yours. Didn't grow up in a church, in a Christian family. Didn't grow up in faith per se. God, if, if you heal me, I'm forever yours. And I... I had this inner voice, get up and test it out. I got up and tested it out and I walked around in that cabin and ordinary healthy people would rejoice. I felt so much shame. I felt so much shame on several levels. Oh no, what are people gonna say? When I walk over to the rest of the crowd and join back in the activities, what are people gonna say? They're gonna say that my ankle was never injured. They're gonna say, God doesn't heal anymore. We were part of a cessationist church at the time. God doesn't move, he's done. It ceased with the apostles. Uh-oh, if it wasn't God, who did I just partner with? Fast forward. We go to Bethel and I'm like, I need, I need to step into some of these things. I need my mind to be renewed. I need to get a right, healthy perspective of who this God is. I can't look at my dad and put it there in front of God. God's perfect. My dad's good. They're different. I can't look at any past I've ever had and put it in front of God. I've had great pastors. God's perfect. Can I get the keys up? That'd be awesome. And Lou, I'll get you to come up in just a second, babe. <clears throat> he is not looking at you going, man, I just, I just can't wait till they're completed. I just can't wait till they get this. I just, man, when they do, I'm going to be really excited. Uh, they got to be again. That's not the heart of the Father. He's like, freedom's going to look great on you. You walked in purity for two months. Come on, let's go for three. You walked in purity for five months. Come on, let's go for a year. You know what? Let's get purity so established that your kids, 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 they just live in purity. Let's get into freedom in such a way that your kids don't get that. You know what baggage your kids get? Your kids get freedom. Well, that's good baggage. I want my kids to get that baggage. Your kids get purity. I want my kids to get that baggage. Your kids get humility. I want my kids to get that baggage. 
Why? Because it looks good on us. Because it causes us to step into life and life to the full. One of the first trips I went on as a student, okay, I've been a pastor from 97. I'm, it's 2009, the end of 2009, and I'm at BSSM as a student. Okay, I'm not trying to overstate it. I had to humble myself significantly. All right, I'm here as a student. And I, I went on a trip and I, uh, I had been in very intentional about going out on the streets day by day, week by week, trying to conquer fear. I was, I was afraid to approach people. I'm inconveniencing them. I'm getting in their way. I'm projecting my beliefs upon them. All these lies would come at me. And so I would not want to go and share. And God was like, no, no, no. It's because I love them. Will you go because I love them? And so I'd go out and I'd go out and I'd go out trying to beat fear. And as I was doing that, God developed this word of knowledge gift within me. And I was in Mexico City and I'm training people in words of knowledge. And as I'm training people, I'm taking this young man out and we go out on the streets together. And I said to him, ask God for a word of knowledge. And he goes, okay, I've got it. It's an ankle injury. I'm like, awesome. Now, as we go through and about, Ask God to show you the person. And uh, this young man, classic, he saw the oldest person he could find. And he's like, surely they are the one who requires my assistance with this ankle word of knowledge right now. And I, I kind of chuckled to myself thinking, okay, this is gonna be good. So we walk up to this elderly gentleman. I can't speak Spanish. So the young man's doing all the interaction realistically. And he says, do you have an issue with your foot, in particular your ankle? And this older gentleman just looks and says, no. And the young guy's ready to pull out. And I'm like, ah, uh -uh, stay, stay. And the older gentleman says, but I have terrible back pain. I was in a car accident and I have two metal rods in my back. I can't bend over. I, I bend at my hip and everything else is locked. And the, I could see the young guy's face young guy's face is like, snap, this is out of my league. I didn't tell him, but it was out of my league. <clears throat> I'm like, uh-oh. I've heard about some of these crazy miracle dissol uh, metal dissolving or bending and whatever else, but have I seen it? No. And so we pray for this older gentleman and he he gets this most tiny, minuscule amount of bend in his upper back. He, he bends over and he just gets this tiny bit and he recognises it. And we ask if we can pray for him a second time and we, we pray for him and he has more flexibility than I do. He goes all the way down. Uh, I see, I had to bend my knees a little. He touches his toes. He comes halfway up, goes back down, touches his toes and he, he lingers. I said, I love intelligence. And he comes up and he's Mexican and he's white. And he just 
puts his hands out and he says, I want your Jesus. I'm like, so do I. So do I. I want your Jesus. Same trip. I was praying for this little boy who had had developed deafness. His parents had gone through a separation and somehow it triggered deafness within him. I figure that you guys have some ideas of what that could be. Man, I prayed for this little boy hours. I mean, hours. We were there for, I interacted with him for probably four or five days and every time. We would be playing, laughing, enjoying, and I was interceding. I was laying it down. I want to see this kid healed. When I leave, he can hear bass. And I cried. I was so broken. I cried and I cried and I cried because I'm like, I, this kid, and I'd caught the heart of the Father. dad and mom, life as he knew it had been taken away from him. And then life in terms of his ability to hear taken away from him. And the injustice killed me. And I was broken. About a, forgive the time frame, I'll say a week, whether it was a week or a month, Forgive me. I get an email. This young lady says, hey, that kid, he's got about 20% of his hearing. I'm like, God, thanks for 20%. But really, I'm, I'm pretty ticked because you didn't die for 20%. You weren't beaten for 20%. Call it another month later. Hey, a couple of months later and it really did become a couple of months at the time grew eventually gets to 75% I've never heard beyond 75% and every part of me celebrates every one of those 75 percentage points and every part of me is grieved at the other 25 As you step in, I'm I'm wrapping this up right here. As you step in to completion, the signs, the wonders, the, the, the prophesying over your friends, your family, your workmates, as you step in to the fullness that He has for you. It's not about performance. It's not about healing results. It's about partnering with Him and knowing the heart of the Father. Do I care about the results? Of course I do, because it's people. But not because it's mine. Because a little boy was made to hear. An old man was made to be able to hug his grandkids and hug his wife. 
be able to have the dignity of picking something up off the ground. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.